Hey, good morning again. I want to talk to you uh, today, mostly just giving an appeal. Uh, in a little different way, just kind of appeal to you uh, about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You know that we have dealt for the longest time uh, in a very good way, and you've seen the emphasis in the hallways and around on uh, the emphasis we have on life together. And we have looked at so many different aspects of that, and today I want to focus on a small little verse, just one verse, uh, that stands as a centerpiece in so many ways. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. I ended uh, every single service I ever led for at least two decades uh, with that exact blessing, if you will. Hard to imagine something more important for us as human beings, not only as Christians, but simply as human beings, than fellowship. There's just something that appeals directly, that expresses actual humanity, that no matter who we are, no matter what we do, the question of togetherness will come up sooner or later. Our need for community is a very real need. It may vary uh, in, in, in its expressions from uh, different people to different personality and to different settings, but common to it all, there's none of us that, sca- that escapes the necessity or the need, the essential need even, for, ex- for the experience that we are not alone. So, let me talk to you a little bit. Because this goes uh, even beyond what we sometimes uh, think about. You know, scholars now, uh, psychologists, sociologists, and, and, uh, and, and so many different kinds of people are, are looking at that. And it is a scourge of our postmodern type uh, situation where we find ourselves where everyone suddenly are uh, individualized, where no one needs to have a common story with anyone else, when, when there's no kind of common set of values. It's just me alone, and I create my own values, and I can stand alone. And in the midst of that scourge that kind of separate people and, and, and make them... Uh, Alone, we see this, this, this kind of like a rapid rise and incredible kind of upwelling of, of mental illness. And, and if you ever follow along on any of that, you see that the curve is not like this. The curve is almost like a 90 degree 2015, whoop, and here we go. Uh, and it just did almost like a 90 degree increase beginning almost at a pinpointing kind of point. And there's just something that is going on, and, and most scholars are, are finding that that has its root uh, in, in social media and its ability to kind of divide uh, people 
and isolate them as individuals and isolate them from fellowship. So, if fellowship, friends, is important for us as human beings in, in general, it is true for Christians in particular. God created the church as a gathering. He created the church as a gathering, not that we could sit in our own places around and just kind of think about God, but as a gathering, that was what the outpouring of the Spirit was all about on the day of Pentecost, which is, of course, the birthday of the church. And I hope you understand uh, what I'm saying here. If you don't understand that, you have not understood even the most basic core of the message of God's outpouring of his spirit at Pentecost. What happened, of course, if you know uh, the biblical narrative, and you might not, and that's fair enough, but let me encourage you on that bulletin. We have this little space. What is God saying to me today? Uh, write down, when I come home, I need to read Genesis 11. Genesis 11 explains uh, what is now becoming kind of the metaphor for so many scholars also, the Tower of, of Babel. How that is it's a perfect metaphor description of how everything fell apart. Fellowship fell apart. People were isolated. They couldn't understand each other anymore. They were speaking languages that no one understood. And here comes Pentecost as a complete transformation, restoration, if you will, of the Tower of Babel or the fall of the Tower of Babel. All of a sudden, again, fellowship is made possible. And I want you to kind of hear that as strongly as I can speak it just by simply reading here what happened at Pentecost. They were amazed and they said, how is this possible? That we all can understand these things, right? We are, look here what it says here. That we are uh, from, from, we are Parthians, we are Medes, we are Elamites. Those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judah, in Cappadocia, in Pontus, in Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and from the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and Gentiles, Credence and Arabs, we all hear them declare the magnificent acts of God in our own tongue. Are we hearing this? Fellowship was now by the outpouring of the Spirit made possible again. God sent his Spirit so that by the power of God's Spirit, fellowship can be created where fellowship otherwise was made impossible. It is because of the outpouring of God's spirit that we can anticipate that it is possible for people that are non-unitable. Is that even a word? To become united. Incompatible to find points of compatibility. For people who are, are, are there to splinter and destroy fellowship, for them to be brought into it instead. The Holy Spirit's outpouring has made it possible, even for people who are conflicted with themselves, to be united with themselves, so to speak, to find healing. 
That's where you see this, right? The outpouring of the Spirit has made it possible that people can be united even with the Almighty God. Not only that, but that they can come to a joy and intimate fellowship with the Almighty through his Spirit. Are we getting this? I know so many people when they sit in a church pew, it just kind of becomes this theological thing or theoretical thing. It's just not real world stuff in, in that kind of sense. Good for our spirits, but not really for the daily decision-making and life. But friends, this touches at the core of who you are and how you experience life. The Holy Spirit and fellowship are so intricately intertwined in the Christian mind and in Christian thought that that uh, not only is this uh, verse that I read uh, just a little bit ago uh, being read all over the world all the time, uh, but also you would find right here that this is the core of what sanctification is all about. Think of it this way. If John 3.16 summarizes justification or what it means to be saved, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that you could have fellowship with him. You should not be lost, but you can be found. If this summarized in that, then sanctification, discipleship, if you will, that your walk with Christ is summarized right here in this verse. Just think about it for a moment. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Grace, love, and fellowship. The very core of Christian life. It's hard to kind of exaggerate the importance of this. There are some that, that, uh, that, that enjoy social fellowship, which is always good. People getting together, it's a good thing. But for Christians, that's not enough because it kind of leaves us without the deeper sense of fellowship. Right? The fellowship that is created by the Spirit, the very Spirit that can reform what is a mere social fellowship of getting together into something that has real depth, real power, real healing quality. Just like God desires for it to be. Among those who call him father. There's so much in this. And it is clear, of course, that, that when I use that word fellowship, our first thought automatically is fellowship with someone else. And, and that is powerful and that is good. And don't hear me say anything other than how good that is. But when you think of the text and just look at that, 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm not going to do a school teacher thing here, although sometimes that's tempting, right, with some of that, right? Fellowship of the Holy Spirit really can mean two things, depending on how you understand that phrase. So fellowship of the Holy Spirit can be the fellowship that the Holy Spirit creates, that we are a fellowship. We are collected, gathered together because of the Holy Spirit. That's true. But there's another sense of that, of course, and that is the sense that it is the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Not just the fellowship he creates, but the fellowship with him. And I think that is certainly on the very top of the lines here uh, of this text. It comes before and it creates the other, so to speak. And so I want us to kind of dwell on that a little bit this morning as we have dwelled on the fellowship among us uh, in so uh, many other sermons that you can find also on the web or on YouTube or on our website or other places. Just think about it here. There's something very unique that goes on. The fellowship with the Holy Spirit is a prerequisite, if you will, to live the Christian life with power, with energy, with vitality, with victory. And I want us to highlight here, and this is when I said I just kind of want to encourage you this morning. I don't want to get lost in, in a lot of other things. just want to encourage you to really seek the presence of God's Spirit. This is not kind of a, just a theological statement like we sometimes have made it. You know, when you give your, your life to Christ, you automatically have the Spirit, and that's the end of that. No, the Bible consistently encourages us to walk with Christ, to seek deeper into the life of His Spirit. And we can go on and deal with this in the strongest way, and we will. So everything changes. There's a reason why the Bible clearly uh, kind of warns us again against quenching the Spirit. There's a reason why the, the, the Bible encourages us to not sadden the Spirit so that the Spirit will withdraw His presence and His power. And so some of you may sit here and think just, you know, some of you engineers like, like I used to be, yes? So you're saying, so how did that work? Yes? What, what's the practical consequence of all this? And I'll have to say much in every way. And I'm going to mention just two things here. One is that, that, that the, uh, the presence of God's Spirit, fellowship with the Spirit, gives you insight into His will. And then, of course, it gives you power to do or to accomplish his will. That's true for us as individuals. That's certainly true for us also as a community. So let's talk about this here. I don't think anyone is surprised to say, oh, that's news to me when we say that it is a characteristic for people everywhere these days that we desire to find direction and focus and purpose for our lives. 
That that's just what it is. And if we had not known it before, if we kind of kind of been pulled into a humdrum, uh, you know, you just kind of get up in the morning, go to work, come home, and do your thing, and then get up there and then get, and losing purpose. COVID put a stop to that. If there's any positive thing to say about that, it made us stop and think: What am I doing? Why am I doing this? We getting this? It's one of the reasons it's hard sometimes to get some people back to work because they have rethought. What am I really want to do with my life? How do I do things that give meaning and purpose and direction? And the biblical answer is that: seek the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have bombarded. Every day, everybody is with decisions that needs to be made over and hundreds of them. Again, just again and again. Some of them are gut gut level. Some of them are uh, major decisions that we need to make. And and how do you make these decisions? Some of them are hard. Like like what education should I do? I can do all kinds of things. So which one should I choose? Hey, you know how do I find my right spouse? And and how do I make decisions about where I want to live and what kind of job I want to pursue? And how do I figure out about the kids? And and how do I answer all these questions that come up? As they grow up, what are all these things going on? Question after question after question. And the way you respond and answer those questions sometimes have lasting effect. It is true, and everybody agrees. You know, it's hard to not agree with that. When when Paul says what a person sows, she he shall also harvest. So how do we find our way in all that? You know, these thousands of things that come our way every day. Well, I don't know that that's easy. And there's certainly not a right prescription of that. But the biblical answer is this. Seek and walk closely with the Spirit. And as the Spirit fills your life, As you learn how to listen to God, he will softly speak to you on all these decisions. As you grow closer, you will see this happen. And Paul even says it in a couple of places. The apostle Paul, he says, well, on this, I don't have a specific word from the Lord. But I live in light of the spirit. And I, from that, conclude that this must be the right answer. In this situation. There's something that happens. With that. And, and you know actually it's spelled out pretty clearly. Uh, when, when, when scripture says it's like this. It says you know. Who knows the depths of a person. Except the spirit within the person. And who knows the depths of God. Except the Holy Spirit. And what that means. Translated into. Kind of engineering English. It simply means this. For you. To know the will of God, you need to have deep fellowship with his spirit. Because no one searches the depth of God except for his spirit. And again, friends, may I encourage you just to say, 
That relationship with the Spirit is dynamic. It is not an automatic kind of thing. It's like any other relationship. It can be intimate. It can be on fire. It can be warm. It can be, be great and close. Or it can be just cooled down, put on ice, wooden. You know, think of it this way. When, when, you know, just because you're married, you don't automatically know your, the depth of, of your spouse that that takes. That you spend time persistently so trying to grow deeper, spend the time to learn to listen, spend the time to learn to speak in a way that, that generates the kind of fellowship that allows you to know even the innermost thought. Any relationship is dynamic. It can either be warm or it can be distant. And this is true also with God. So think about this, friends. I really hope we get this. There's no goodness in just affirming stuff that has no reality. The very one who has created you, the one who blew his spirit into your nostrils and gave you life, the one who holds the opportunities of your life in his hand, he offers to you to know him, his spirit, that you may have an intimate relationship with him so that you come to experience new dimension in your life. You come to know even yourself better. I want to ask, and I ask this not rhetorically, but I want you to answer it even if you don't speak it out loud. How long has it been since you truly sought deeply, persistently, the presence of God? The Spirit doesn't stop just by letting you know the will of God, it also gives power to accomplish that very will. If there's one thing that is consistent throughout Scripture, it is that the Spirit comes with power. It's hard to imagine any context of Scripture where, where that is not true. It is the Spirit of God that intercedes for us with power when we don't know exactly how to pray. It is the Spirit that grants us His powerful gift. It is the Spirit that enables people to conquer uh, their temptations that come their way. It is the Spirit that gives power and equips people to do spiritual warfare. It's the Spirit that, that gives you the ability to, to listen to the Spirit and hear a prophetic word even into your own life. It is the Spirit that, tr- <clears throat> that truly enables divine healing. Just think about this, friends. It is the power of the Spirit that gives you the power to share your testimony and lead someone else to a living relationship with the Almighty. I sometimes wonder when we look at Scripture. And we recognize that relationship that is so clear between fellowship with the Spirit of God and the experience of power. You wonder why Paul 
continue to ham on that. Stay close with the Spirit. And I think the answer is not as hard as, as we may want it to be because time and time and time and time and time again, Paul encourages us to do so that we may have power to face what comes our way. You know, Paul, if you just go one page back, one page in Scripture, not only did he fight fundamentalist Judaizers that just had turned everything into law on the one hand. He also fought liberal libertines for whom there were no rules on the other side. And then on the third side, he fought these charismatics that could not, that were so overzealous, they couldn't make any kind of distinction between their own emotions and the Spirit of God. And then on the fourth side of that, he fought those that were so wooden And so anti-charismatic, they had no need even for the Spirit of God because they had their saying to quote. And then in the midst of all that, all these pressures from all sides, here's what he says. Five times, I've received 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys I faced dangers on rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. Toils and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst without food, cold and without clothing. Not to mention... The daily pressures that is on me because of my concern for the churches. Who is weak if I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble if I do not burn with indignation? I wish I could snap my fingers and get out of this. But he knew life doesn't work that way. So he sought the power of the Spirit. To stay faithful. That's the point, friends. May I round this up by simply asking you if you want to experience that kind of intimate presence with God's Spirit. I'm not asking you if you feel like you're needed. I know you do. I sure do. It's too easy for us to forget the significance of this fellowship with God's spirit. We saw baptism, which expresses the desire to follow Jesus as Lord. Some of you need to make that confession too. I know and some of you who are watching from other places. Get in your car, come down and talk to us. We want to pray with you. Probably just as many who are watching or listening, many more need to come to Jesus and say, I want a renewed, powerful experience of the intimate presence of God that comes by walking with the Spirit. 
I don't know how to say it in any other way, friends. To do that, you need to be part of a fellowship. God sent his spirit so that he may gather his church. This whole nonsense about us being private Christians around, it feeds into the scheme of the one who is opposed by the power of God. I hope we hear this, friends. Not only with your ears, not only processing in your mind, all that is important, but with your heart and from the depth of your soul. I'm going to ask us to stand. We have time to spend some time in prayer, Lord. Some of you may need to grab someone's hand. And there's nothing wrong with coming forward. You're not saying, oh, I must, everybody think this about me. No. We all know we need to be here kneeling, asking for God's power. But I know today there might be some that need it in particular. So please, friends, whether you need to give your life to Christ, whether you need to come and just ask for more of his power, life is hard. Or you need to just say, hey, I want to be part of a fellowship where that is the reality. Father, would you speak now? Pour out your spirit. May it be possible, Lord, to see the transformation that can only come in individual lives and in this whole church by an outpouring that everybody can come together as they seek to walk with you. We ask in your name, O Holy Spirit, come. Amen.